0: drive time keeping you informed and inspired
1: we love God
2: we ought to be able to talk about him
1: getting you started on your day
0: with the latest in breaking news and information
1: from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between it's serious it's fun it's your Catholic drive time with Joe McClain and Emily Alcaraz.
3: praise be to Jesus Christ welcome back to Catholic drive time keeping you informed and inspired I'm your host Joe McLean so good to be on with you this morning praise be to God Good morning, and I pray that your day is going to be great. We're going to be praying for your intentions today. We have a great show lined up for you. Super excited. Uh, Eric Sammons is going to be returning to the program. The last time we talked to him, I don't know, two, three weeks at least. Uh, Now he's the editor of Crisis Magazine. So, pretty cool. Uh, to have an opportunity to discuss not just uh, an article that he's recently published, in fact, one that stood out to me just this morning on uh, on the uh, the, this, the current state of affairs. When do we fight? When do we compromise? That's kind of a good question for a lot of Catholics these days. And we'll have that conversation with him. But as the editor, he can talk about literally anything that's published on Crisis. So there's several articles there that we would like to discuss uh, no, so we'll have a great conversation. I think it's going to be wonderful. That's going to be in our on our guest segment today. Plus, Dave Palmer, uh, my colleague from our North Texas operations here in the, the GRN, he's going to be joining the program in the "What's Concerning Us" section because there's a story out on Lifeside News about an attempt to have a University of Dallas professor removed from his supposed anti-gender. Uh, uh, comments on social media so we 're going to get the latest on that story. The University of dallas is a is known for a uh, sort of a a great Catholic reputation you know academically speaking so what 's going on there well what will be the outcome? What does the university think about this and we 're going to get all of that from Dave Palmer, my colleague in the Dallas area. So that plus uh, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and a lot more here on the Catholic Drive Time show this morning. Good morning to you, Emily Alcrez.
0: Good morning, Joe. How are you doing today? Praise God, I'm alive. You still tired from Candlemas the other day?
3: <sighs> I, I took a good nap yesterday, so that, was, that helps. You know, I, I've come to really enjoy naps. You know, naps really help me get through, through the week, for sure. But it, you didn't, you still have class, though, so you still have some excuse for missing sleep.
0: Yeah, yeah, I did. I had... I've had three night classes this week, so I'm pretty tired too, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, we survive it. Praise we,
3: yeah. God. Uh,
0: speaking of uh, tired as well,
3: Candlemas goer, Adrian Fonseca is here. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. Yes. I, uh, I don't take naps. I try
4: to take naps, but, you know, naps are difficult. You're young. Yeah, so You can handle it. It's okay. We'll I never slept when I was
3: young either. Never slept. <laughs> but now that I'm old, naps are yeah, awesome. It's actually been like three years since I slept, actually. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Praise be to Jesus. You know, the saints rarely slept, you know, like... The Padre Pio, for instance, he didn't sleep all that much either. So. That's right. slept for, ten, for five hours a day.
0: And St. Dominic would always be dozing off because he stayed up all night. <laughs> all right that 's going to be
3: our our hour this hour don't don't forget i 'm giving away a father bill Casey talk it 's called the, the the State of the Union the Church and our society where we 're going and what you need to be thinking about and doing now the link was broken I fixed it, so I send everybody an email with the updated link if you want to if you want to check your inbox there but if you want to get that talk, all you need to do is agree to let me harass you at least once a week in your email inbox it's a fair fair deal because we're going to be doing something special for the season of lent and i just wanted a way to be able to send you the information on that you can join our email list by going to grnonline.com forward slash cdt or if you just want to jump on the uh, catholic drive time email list via your cell phone all you got to do is text the letters G-R-N to the number 42828. Just text G-R-N to 42828. Let's pray. Your intentions are being included uh, in our intentions as we ask Our Lady to whisper them into the ear of her Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to Thy protection, implored Thy help, or sought Thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz.
0: An in Indiana County, has won their appeal to display a nativity scene. The ACLU of Indiana had sued the county on behalf of county resident Rebecca Woodring, She said the display conveys the county's endorsement of a religious message. In their majority opinion on Tuesday, judges Diane Wood and Amy St. Eve said that the display fits within a long national tradition of using the nativity scene in broader holiday displays to celebrate the origins of Christmas, a public holiday. Judge David Hamilton, who dissented from the Seventh Circuit majority opinion, said the courthouse nativity display sent a clear message of government endorsement of Christianity. The religious liberty law firm Beckett, which filed a friend-of-the-court brief on behalf of the county, said that Tuesday's ruling is common sense, and that most people don't think Christmas decorations ought to be a federal issue. Jeff Bezos, who founded Amazon and turned the company into an online shopping behemoth, is stepping down as its CEO, a role that he's held for nearly 30 years. He'll be replaced in the fall by Andy Jassy, who runs Amazon's cloud computing business. Bezos will then become the company's executive chair. In a blog post to employees, Bezos said he plans to focus on new products and early initiatives being developed at Amazon. And he said he'll have more time for side projects, his space exploration company Blue Origin, the newspaper he owns, The Washington Post, and his charities. A Hong Kong Catholic lawyer is being nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. The 82-year-old Mark, Martin Lee Chu-ming founded Hong Kong's Democratic Party in 1994. Lee has been demonstrating for the universe, for universal suffrage in Hong Kong for nearly 40 years now. He was founding chairman in 1990 of Hong Kong's first pro-democracy party, the United Democrats of Hong Kong and led the party's successor, the Democratic Party, while serving in the territory's legislature for more than two decades. Hong Kong police arrested Lee along with 14 other pro-democracy protesters in 2020. Lee had also been arrested for taking part in protests in 2019 against an extradition bill, now withdrawn, which would have allowed Chinese government to extradite alleged criminals from Hong Kong to the mainland to stand trial. And Catholic News Agency has reported that Cardinal Supich's meeting with Pope Francis was not a result of the USCCB's response to the presidential election. Sources in Rome have reported to CNA that Pope Francis was seriously considering making a surprise appointment, a bishop from the peripheries to replace Ouellette, one of the several heads of Vatican dicasteries that have reached retirement age. According to the source, the Pope has started to lean more toward Cardinal Blaise Cupich of Chicago because of his higher profile and the message that his appointment would deliver regarding the type of bishops he wants for the church. The primary responsibility of the congregation for bishops is overseeing the selection and appointment of bishops. It also deals with the erection and suppression of dioceses, oversight of bishops, and the preparation for and response to bishops' ad limina visits to Rome. I'm Emily Alcaraz and these are your Thursday Morning Headlines through a Catholic Lens. St.
3: John de Brito, pray for us. He was born on the 1st of March, 1647 in Lisbon, Portugal born to a a noble Portuguese family, a favorite of Don Pedro, king of Portugal, and the son of the governor of Brazil. He entered the Jesuit order at a very early age, age 15. He studied at the University of Coimbra and was ordained a priest. And much to the objection of his family, he volunteered for the missions in India in 1673 and was sent to Madura. There he studied complex Indian caste systems and found... That most converts belong to the lowest caste system, but he realized that in order for Christianity to have a lasting influence in India, the higher caste members also needed to be converted, uh, much like the Jesuit mission in England in the 16th and 17th century, by the way. He uh, he established himself as an Indian aesthetic, a, a Pandora Swami. He lived as they lived, dressed in a saffron cloak and turban. He held retreats in the wilderness, and many interested Indians came out to visit him. And in time, although there were many locals that did you know, harass and torture him, he was accepted as a Swami, and he converted as many as 10,000 Indians to Christian faith. But uh, he, as he was appointed the mission superior in 1685, he grew a, a lot of attention came to him, and a lot of attention to his many many converts in the highest class, the Brahmins. They didn't like this. In fact, they decided that they would kill him. And he, uh, John, and his catechists were imprisoned. They were tortured, and they were ordered to leave the country. But when Saint John de Brito decided that he did not want to uh, leave the country, he did not want to leave the mission. The order was given to execute him. At the execution site on the day, St. John knelt in prayer and he prayed. The executioner, however, hesitated at the moment. And so St. John turned to him and said, My friend, I have prayed to God. On my part, I have done what I should do. Now do your part. And the executioner did. He was beheaded and dismembered on the 4th of February, 1693 in India, for his Christian faith. He was canonized June 22nd, 1947 by Pope Pius the twelfth. St. John de Brito, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 6 verses 7 through 13, a continuation from where we were yesterday. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the journey but a walking stick, no food, no sack, no money in their belts. They were, however, to wear sandals, but not a second tunic. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave from there. Whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off your feet in testimony against them. So they went off and preached repentance. The twelve drove out many demons, and they were anointed with oil, many who were sick and cured them. The gospel of the Lord. (laughs) Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ in all things. Uh, This gospel is, uh, again, a very powerful look. It's short and sweet, but I really like it for many reasons. Number one, uh, look at uh, what Jesus does here, sending them out two by two to what? To preach repentance. Repentance. This is a nod to the going to the the four corners of the earth that will happen after Jesus' resurrection when he tells them to go to the four corners, to make disciples of all nations. The mission of the church is evangelization. Just like St. John Brito knew that his job was to convert the Indian people, so Jesus sends his disciples to preach repentance. And guess where he does this? This mission is occurring in Galilee. Now, what's significant about that is Galilee is a very diverse part. Part of Israel. You have both Jews and non-Jews living there together. So this is Jesus sending them out to all the nations in prototype mode, right? So this is a beautiful look. And look at also in a day and an age where we're reminded constantly, thou shalt not judge. And that's true. We should never judge the eternal destiny of people. And yet Jesus commands his disciples here to shake the dust off of their feet to those who will not listen. Think about that for a second. To those who will not listen, the apostles are to shake the dust off their feet in testimony against them. Boy, we could use some of that today. Here's what St. Gregory the Great said about this passage. Jesus sends out the disciples in pairs to signify what the twin precepts of charity, uh, that, that the twin precepts of charity are indispensable for the duty of Christian preaching. Those entrusted with this mission must always exemplify the love of God and neighbor. St. Gregory the Great, pray for us. Emily, Adrian. any thoughts?
0: Yeah, so in some religious communities, when the sisters or brothers go on home visit, they go home in pairs, and um, they refer back to this passage, actually. And the reason that they go home in pairs is to hold each other accountable and to make sure that they're, they're living up to the standards which they have learned Uh, within their own community. And so this is uh, the reason that Jesus sent people out in pairs. yes, as a testament to love of God and love of neighbor, neighbor, which must be inseparable, but also for them to strengthen each other and for them not to lose sight uh, of what they had been. And that's why in every vocation, whether that's religious life or marriage, it happens within the context of a community. And that's so that we can strengthen each other and guide each other to heaven. And also... um, I think it's, it's just good. It's very comforting to have someone by your side when you're preaching the message. Adrian?
4: Uh, yeah, so uh, real quickly, the two things that are important are, one, the shaking the dust off their feet. Why did they do this? The Theophilus said that the reason why is to show that they had come a long way for their sake and they are not taking anything with them, Not uh, if they are rejected, not even the dust are they taking with them. And two, uh, in order to point out that the, uh, to look forward to, the extreme unction, which is, which is to come soon, uh, at their
3: anointing as priest. All right. Praise be to God in all things. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. We're going to have a conversation in the What's Concerning Us with Dave Palmer about the University of Dallas scandal. All that and much, much more on Drive Time.
5: Jehovah Witnesses argue that Jesus is a lesser divinity than Jehovah because the Greek text in John 1-1 doesn't say the word was the God. The definite article isn't there. As such, they argue it should be translated A-God. How do we respond? Well, first, six times in John 1, the term God appears without the definite article. But yet the JWs translate it as A-God only once, in reference to the word. Not very consistent. Second, in Greek, the definite article is prefixed to the subject, not the predicate. And in this clause, God is the predicate and the word is the subject. Finally, John refers to Jesus as the God in 1 John 5.20, saying, This is the true God. So, be at peace, my Christian friends. You don't have to go to a Kingdom Hall this Sunday. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers.
6: Catholic.com For victory in life, we've got to keep focused on the goal. And the goal is heaven. The key to winning is choosing to do God's will and love others with all you've got. Sacrifice, discipline, and prayer are essential. We gain strength through God's Word, we receive grace from the sacraments. And when we fumble due to sin, and it's going to happen, confession puts us back on the field. So if you haven't been going to Mass Weekly, get back in the game. We're saving your seat on the starting bench this Sunday. Welcome home.
3: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back. Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. Welcome to the What's Concerning Us section. you uh, here, here in about 17 minutes or so, Eric Sammons from Crisis Magazine. He's the editor of Crisis Magazine. He's going to be our guest. He's got an article out there on uh, adapting to our brave new world about when to compromise and when to fight. We're going to have that conversation. But we'll also talk to him about some of the other articles on Crisis, because he's the editor and he probably knows them all. So we'll have a great conversation. Look forward to that. But joining us right now uh, by phone is my colleague from the North, the great, uh, the, the great tundra of the North, Dave Palmer. Uh, to talk about uh, University of Dallas, there is an article out on LifeSite News called The University of Dallas Rebuffs Trans Activist Campaign to Fire Catholic Professor. Now, UD's got a great Catholic reputation for, uh, for their curriculum and for their, uh, their students, and so this is an interesting story, and we wonder what's going to happen of it. So joining us is uh, UD alum Dave Palmer. Dave, good morning to you.
7: Good morning, Joe. Thanks for having me on.
3: Yeah, praise be to God in all things. Uh, So what is this story? What is this all about?
7: Well, the story actually, you know, there's a lot of good that is coming out of the story, because we're in a time right now when we're so used to capitulation, and as soon as somebody states anything that's true, anything that really conforms to Catholic moral teaching— you know, most, most of the time we see too often that institutions will take the opposite approach and criticize the person who, uh, spoke the truth about, you know, Catholic teachings. But in this case, it's really good news because the, the, the University of Dallas has defended the, for the right of free speech and the right of the, of the moral teaching of the Catholic Church in relation to this. And what, what it is, is there, there's a 1985 graduate of the University of Dallas and, uh, his his name is he's a he goes he considers himself a trans woman he goes by Bethany Beeler and back when he was at the University of Dallas he met his wife and they have been married uh, for 33 years they have children but Bethany Beeler now identifies himself as a trans woman and he took umbrage at a post a private post on a Facebook page by the head of the political science department at the University of Dallas. His name is Dr. David Upham. Actually, I've known Dr. Upham for many, many years before he was at UD. And Dr. Upham wrote on his private Facebook page a a criticism that was focusing on President Biden's appointment for the assistant secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services, a a man man named Dr. Levine, who goes by Dr. Rachel Levine, who's a trans woman. And Dr. Upham simply pointed out, the truth of the fact that this is a man who is claiming to be a woman and went into a little bit of description about the the drugs um, that were used in the process of transitioning sexes and how um, he he is the father of two children and how also we we are going to, Dr. Upham says, dissenters will have to call him a she, and, 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 and he also ultimately lamented the fact that he doesn't think any senators in the United States are going to do anything about this, where we're, our rights are going to be uh, compromised, and we're going to have to lie, and we're going to have to go along with this charade. And since this is what Dr. Upton brought up in his post. Well, then, you know, Bethany Beeler took offense to this and wrote, wrote an open letter to the University of Dallas, Basically, asking for Dr. Upton to be fired, mm. and how insensitive this is. Comparing it to the January 6th, you know, storming of the Capitol, where hatred, hateful language, you know, resulted in violence, and and you know, I think in, in, in these days, a lot of people say, "Wow, this this is going to be successful. University of Dallas is going to capitulate, and uh, this guy is going to get fired, and that's going to be the end of the story." But fortunately, that's not what happened. Just the, in fact, the opposite happened. They they wrote a very positive statement. Uh, defending Dr. Upham's right of free speech, and also
3: defending the teachings of the Catholic Church. Is this is something we've seen quite a bit, especially in the last few years, but it's been around this uh, sort of cancel culture, this idea that, that, that the mob can come through and just force institutions, organizations to bend to their will, and we're, I think we're seeing some Catholic organizations, do they do bend to the to the mobs uh to rule but it's encouraging to see University of uh, Dallas stand up for freedom of speech and for their own professor. Um how how heated is this there in the Dallas community? Is is there a lot of division among even Catholics there? Well,
7: I I haven't heard a lot of buzz about it. I was actually out doing a parish talk a couple weekends ago. At a local Catholic church, and a gentleman stopped me after Mass and said, "Boy, have you heard about this UD story?" And I, I told him, "I no, I haven't." And comes to you know, turns out it's actually a, a friend of mine that's in the <laughs> middle of it, and I hadn't heard about it. And uh, so, you you know, obviously, it's the kind of thing the University of Dallas doesn't want to parade and make a big deal out of. It's not, you know, they're just reiterating the the, the their beliefs. In fact, one of the statements, if I may, they. They have a a current president, Thomas Hibbs, and then their their current provost and incoming president, Jonathan Sanford, who, interestingly, he comes to our studio once a month and does a segment on our radio. He's a great guy, Um, and he's going to be an uh, outstanding president. But they they said, as part of their statement from the University of Dallas, if anyone is wondering whether we uphold Catholic teaching, we do. Our Mm -hmm. Catholic identity and fidelity to its teachings— is at the core of our mission, the university embraces unreservedly the church's articulation of the moral law, including its articulation of those truths that deal with the embodied nature of the human person and human sexuality. Isn't that great? Yeah.
0: Oh, that is so refreshing. <laughs> uh, Dave, so what are, are you seeing that there's going to be more of a pushback now, or do you think this has been quite enough where people are just going to drop it?
7: Well, I, I, I think, you know, these kind of things blow up and then they tend to die down unless there's some I, – I, I, I think it's probably dying down. I don't hear as much about it. There was a, uh, a letter that was signed by 500 uh, graduates and people involved in the UD community which defended uh, Dr. Upham. And and he is a great guy. And like I said, I, I know him personally. He's a very faithful Catholic, and he he didn't really do anything wrong. You know, nowadays, he's, you know, pointing out the truth is 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 a crime, and so he's he's not going to lose his job. In fact, uh, uh, Doctor Sanford told me that personally last time he was in, he said, you know, we're going to work and we're going to defend him. He's gone. And and so I, I think it's you know I hope it, it it dies out. I but I hope it also is a lesson to other. Catholic institutions Mm -hmm. um, and dioceses that, you know, you can actually defend people when they speak the truth uh, according to Catholic teaching. So I I think it's great news.
3: In about ten minutes from now, we're going to have a conversation with Eric Salmon's editor of Crisis Magazine. He's got an article out called Adapting to Our Brave New World. And it's about when to compromise and when to fight as Catholics. And I think this story that you're referring to here, Dave uh, Palmer, is uh, right up into that conversation. You know, we have to discern when we have to hold our ground, what we can and cannot do, uh, and when and where we should ever compromise. And, uh, And I think this trans issue is really... One of those issues where a lot of folks are just compromising, but they're never fighting, and they're not standing up. And, you know, I'm reminded this morning, reading this article of Isaiah 520, "'Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter.'" Now, Dave, you host a show uh, called Back to the Father where you are insanely and madly attempting to teach the world, Thomas Aquinas, <laughs> uh, to, uh, to uh, average folk, to, uh, to less than mortals, you know, m- mere mortals is what I wanted to say. Uh, now, in this particular conversation about the trans issue, don't you think that's like b- – this is part of the problem. Generations that can't think they have no uh, ability to reason and to come to uh, clear, logical conclusions can't determine that my biological males uh, can't decide to become – females along the way? I mean, it just, it seems rather strange, and to say that out loud means you must be uh, you know, a hater, a bigot, or whatever. Uh, Dave Palmer, what do you think about that?
7: Yeah, I, th- I think you're actually right, in fact, and uh, I know you've got a, a couple of uh, Tomas there on your crew there, Joe. I, I, well,
3: uh, I was required yeah. by HR to have Thomas on the
2: staff <laughs> in a diversity campaign, so and, I know, had to do
7: it's it. Interesting. The, the, the the One of the things that what uh, absolutely attracts me to Aquinas. Is that it, it, it's so ordered? You know, we live in a chaotic world where you know right is wrong and wrong is right. And Thomas is an ordered mind, and I actually you know stay up at night reading him just to just to calm myself at the end of the day. And it, it, he has a, a, one of the articles in the Summa asks basically, can can a person ever lie? And he comes down very strong, and he quotes Augustine and some other church fathers as saying that we, we, we can't ever lie. He doesn't even give the excuse of white lies, you know, where, oh, I think, you know, yeah, yeah I think that dress you're wearing is nice, <laughs> because he says there, there has to be an integrity between what, what we what we conceive in our mind and what, what words come out of our mouth. We have to always tell the truth, or otherwise it's a lie. Now, a lot of people would think that that's a little bit of a stretch, but in, in relation to this issue of transgenderism, you know, for us to say... You know, Dr. Rachel Levine is a woman. You know that—that's a lie.
5: Mm-hmm. And,
7: and we, but the government mm-hmm. is is working very hard to force us to lie, and and that's a sin. And so we're being asked to to sin by saying something that we know is false. And Dr. Upham brings that up very clearly in his original post.
4: Yeah, I think that's very important to uh, to note about uh, Thomas Aquinas on lying because. Uh, whenever he, Augustine talks about this, which Quinas is quoting, uh, Augustine says that the reason why lying is wrong is because it's a affront against the truth. And what is the truth? The truth is Jesus Christ. He has said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so whenever you lie, it's not simply saying an untruth. It's actually an attack against Jesus Christ himself, who is the truth. And so in the case of uh, the transgender issue and those things like that, we cannot deny Christ because to deny the truth of the matter, which is plain to see in 99.9% of the cases, it's plain to see what the truth is in the situation. And to deny that is to deny Christ himself because he is the truth. So I think that's a very important point to note.
3: You know, and one of the things that I point out, we have about uh, two and a half minutes left in our conversation with Dave Palmer on this uh, story out of the uh, University of Dallas. By the way, I have linked link to it over at Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. We're also posting links on the GRN Online side, the Station of the Cross side, and uh, and elsewhere. So check those articles out. But uh, Dave, one of the things that I find, and this will be the last point with you, is it's not good enough that we can li- coexist, so to speak, with, with people who decide to call themselves you know, the opposite gender we have to accept it, and we have to agree to it, and we have to go along with the notion completely. That's a level of insanity that I think is above and beyond, and it's getting worse in this day. Last point, Dave Palmer.
7: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I think that's why we have to, you know, if you're involved in the UD uh, community, you, you should sign this counter letter supporting uh, Dr. Album and also supporting the University of Dallas. You know, they're sponsors on on our station, and you know, you guys run spots for them every morning. And like I said, uh, I, I think it's something that people should, should forward and, 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 and celebrate and promote, because this is, this is good news. This is an institution standing up for uh, somebody who spoke up for truth, and I, I think that's, that's reason to celebrate.
3: All right. Praise be to God. Dave Palmer, uh, the executive director of uh, Guadalupe Radio Network in the north, the great north of uh, Dallas, Texas. Thanks for being <laughs> on our program today. Thanks,
7: Joe. It's my honor. Thank
3: you. Make sure you check out his Back to the Father show every Friday, 4 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time across the GRN. You can also stream it live on Facebook uh, as well, and uh, YouTube and on Twitter. All right, so we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back with more breaking news and stories with Emily Alvarez. And then Eric Sammons rejoins the show from Crisis Magazine. Adapting to a Brave New World: When to Compromise, When to Fight, and so much more is coming up. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere.
8: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. G.K. Chesterton says, You are free in our time to say that God does not exist. You are free to say that he exists and is evil. You are free to say that he would like to exist if he could. You may talk of God as a metaphor or a mystification. You may water him down with gallons of long words or boil him to rags of metaphysics. And it is not merely that nobody punishes, but nobody protests. But if you speak of God as a fact, as a thing like a tiger, as a reason for changing one's conduct, then the modern world will stop you somehow if it can. We are long past talking about whether an unbeliever should be punished for being irreverent. It is now thought irreverent to be a believer. Want more than a minute? Visit our website chesterton.org The universe is filled with order from top to bottom and it's a beautiful order and not only
4: is it beautiful it's an order that we can actually comprehend and it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe to be able to contemplate it so that we can
2: see maybe that purpose behind it Please visit Father Spitzer's website
0: majecenter.com to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation that's magis Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and today is Thursday, February 4th. And these are your headlines for today. President Joe Biden is delivering on his pro-abortion promises by revoking pro-life policies. The White House asked Wednesday if President Joe Biden intends to work with the pro-life community. And White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said that the president will reach out to all Americans. Owen Jensen, EWTN's White House correspondent, asked Psaki during yesterday's press briefing if Biden, who had stated he wants to unite the country, was going to work with Americans who are opposed to abortion. Jensen noted that Biden has already repealed pro-life policies and pledged support for abortion, all while emphasizing the need for unity and Pisaki described Biden as a devout Catholic despite his consistent campaigning for radical abortion laws. An upcoming documentary will depict an LGBT Jesus and it's featuring a number of Catholic dissenters. It includes appearances from dissenting Catholics who reject church teaching and advocate sacramental marriage for same-sex couples. Among the commentators are Father Brian Massingale, a Fordham University theology professor, Father James Martin, Marianne Duddy Burke, Executive Director of Dignity USA, and the excommunicated Sister Janine Grammick, co-founder of New Ways Ministry. Dignity USA and New Ways Ministry are both heretical groups that are not in communion with the church. In 1999, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith permanently barred Grammick and New Ways Ministry co-founder, Father Robert Nugent, from any pastoral work involving homosexual persons due to errors and ambiguities in their approach. And in a 2010 statement, Cardinal Francis George of Chicago said no one should be misled by the claim that New Way's ministry provides an authentic interpretation of Catholic teaching. In Australia, the federal police have found no criminal misconduct in the mysterious Vatican transfers. Australian authorities have been investigating the suspicious payments equivalent to about $7.4 million for several months. The federal police said in a statement yesterday that no criminal misconduct has been identified to date. Last month, Australia's financial crime watchdog said that it had vastly overestimated the Vatican transfers, attributing the miscalculation to a computer coding error. The Vatican issued a statement on I- in January acknowledging Ostrak's error and stating that the $7.4 million in payments is attributable, among other things, to a number of contractual obligations in the ordinary management of resources. A recent report found that Uyghur women are subject to systemic rape in China's detention camps. A former detainee, Tersunai Ziyawudun, is an ethnic Uyghur woman who was twice detained in Xinjiang before arriving in the United States in September. She described the horrific tortures that she and other Uyghur women underwent in an interview with the BBC. And according to independent reports, China operates a network of around 1,300 camps in Xinjiang, where up to 1.8 million Uyghurs and other ethnic and religious minorities have been imprisoned. Detainees have reportedly been subject to indoctrination, forced labor, beatings, torture, starvation and forced sterilizations. The Chinese government describes the camps as preventative measures for terrorism. Detainees are subjected to patriotic propaganda about China, and anything related to Uyghur traditional practices is banned. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
3: Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date. Uh, real quick, before we jump into our conversation, we're uh, posting the audio podcast of every one of our episodes over at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's also the place you can find links to all of our social platforms. We're posting in many places, so you can find the content there. But also, I'm giving out a free talk from Father Bill Casey of the Fathers of Mercy on the State of the Union, the Church and Society. It's a powerful talk, 30 minutes, so it's really easy to consume. And I think you're going to get a lot out of that. You can find the details for how to get that talk over on grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Joining us right now by Zoom chat or rejoining the show is Eric Sammons, editor of Crisis Magazine. Good morning to you, Eric. Good morning. Uh, it's good to have you back on the program. I have to believe it was right after you were on our show that you got the gig over at Crisis. I think we're responsible for getting you that
2: job. <laughs> I'm going to take credit for it anyway, publicly. Go ahead. Go ahead. Take yeah. credit. <laughs> but don't expect, like, a you know, compensation <laughs> or oh, anything. darn it. All
3: right. Well, uh, congratulations to you. and uh, Thank you. And uh, hopefully uh, that's been going very well for you so far. It has. Yeah, praise God. There's a lot of stories over there that I thought we could comment on with you today. I want to start with your own article that you just published, Adapting to Our Brave New World, When to Compromise and When to Fight. We just had a conversation with my colleague Dave Palmer uh, about a story out of the University of Dallas, a professor who came under fire for making uh, comments about people who, uh, you know, identify from a biological male identifying as a biological female, and there was a lot of backlash, and there was an effort to have him removed, and the university st- uh, stood up to defend him. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more of that, but one of the points I wanted to bring out and get you to comment on, as Catholics, I think many of us are not going to be willing to fight those fights. I think we're more likely to go along
2: to get along. Uh, What say you, Eric Sammons? I think that's true as well. I think the issue is we're in an interesting time in that most of us, or at least us or our parents, we grew up in a time where Catholicism was acceptable, at least basically uh, Christian values were acceptable. And so we got the habit of going along with the culture because the culture was basically not that bad. But I think we see an acceleration of, we, we've often called it a post-Christian culture. I think we've now moved into an anti-Christian culture. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so those instincts we have to go along with the culture, which we just grew up with, are now working against us. And so I think a lot of times, some sometimes it's just people who might not be faithful, whatever. But I do think a lot of times it's simply people who don't really recognize how quickly things have changed. And so they don't realize that, we're very much called to be countercultural. So in the case of University of Dallas, which my daughter went to, so I'm um, go UD. Um, <laughs> in the case of the University of Dallas, I, I commend them for seeing that yes, okay, for a long time we could kind of go along and, and not really have a problem with the culture, but now they're asking us to change our values, to compromise our values, and in the case of UD, to say that. A, a man is a woman, and, and that would be compromising our faith. So I, I commend them for doing that. So I think, though, we have to break those instincts of going on with the culture and and truly realize that to be Catholic today is to be truly countercultural.
3: Yes, but Eric, doesn't that mean suffering? I mean, because uh, uh, yeah, it's not.
2: I'm trying to avoid that part. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's the bad news. Yeah, it does. I mean, it really does. But if you look at the history of Christianity, the fact is that. Many, many times in many cultures in history, Christians have had to suffer just to be Christian. I mean It started like that I mean, with the Roman Empire, the pagan Roman Empire, but we 've seen it in sixteenth century England we saw Catholics were persecuted we saw it in uh, Soviet Union we see it today in modern china we 're starting to, we see it for example, in um, Saudi Arabia, places like that. And I think we're starting to see it more and more here, not on the level of somewhere like Saudi Arabia, of course, yet, but we're it's increasing. And that does mean an increase of suffering. Now, the good news of that, and I'm trust me, I'm one who wants to who has a natural <laughs> inclination to avoid suffering. But the good news of that is it does mean it's it's an opportunity for faithfulness. It's an opportunity to say, yes, I really do believe. I don't just believe because everybody else does i don't just believe because my parents do i don't just believe because my neighbors do i believe even though all those other people don't and even though it means i might lose my job even though it means i might be ridiculed or 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 canceled or whatever uh and and so yeah those are those are sufferings and and there's a decent chance that those sufferings will increase not rather than decrease over time at least in the foreseeable future but i think that's a great calling because I mean, that's our faith. That, what, what did our Lord have to do? I mean, he had to suffer in order to save us, and, and of course, on the other side of suffering is the resurrection, and that's what we look forward to.
3: Eric Sammons is our guest. He's the editor of Crisis Magazine. We're having a conversation about adapting to a brave new world, um, about his article, which we posted a link to at uh, facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time and the other uh, locations as well. Uh, real quick, we're going to have to take a break here in two minutes, Eric, but I really—how many Catholics do you think, Eric— have really stopped to ponder what they are willing to do and not do in the face of scrutiny uh, when it comes to the life issues, the marriage issues, gender issues, all of these sort of non-negotiables, as we call them, because they're intrinsic evil uh, nature. How many Catholics do you think have ever even stopped to think about, ponder, what will they be willing to suffer for, Uh, Eric Sammons?
2: I think they—I think more and more are. Honestly, I think if you asked me that two or three years ago, I would say very few. Uh, it's probably still not a huge number, but I think it is increasing because we see it's creeping in on us. We see that it's more and more in, impacting our actual lives. It's, it's very easy to say that's other people. That's the, that's the Catholics in China or, or wherever where bad things are happening. Or even that's happening maybe in a city like Portland or New York or something like that. But it's not happening. Maybe let's say you live in Kansas. It's not happening here or something like that. Well, it's, it's coming in. It's coming into everybody. And so if they're not thinking about it, they need to start thinking about how, how will you respond. And the number one way you think about it is you pray about it. You pray mm-hmm. about it first so you have the strength when it does come into your life.
3: Uh, we're going to be bringing up a couple of other articles. We have to go to a break here in just a moment. Uh, we're talking with Eric Sammons, the uh, editor of Crisis Magazine, and his uh, article, Adapting to a Brave New World, When to Compromise and When to Fight. St. Thomas More, pray for us to have courage to fight, even if we lose things, right? So that's uh, that's that conversation. But on the other side of this break, I want to talk about some of these other articles. Bishop Athanasius Schneider has one out on healing the rupture in the church. Uh, and then how about the audacity of exhaling on the masks? But Regis Martin has a great one. A phone call away. Someone could be saved. We'll have that conversation next. Don't
2: go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. The goal of fasting from anything, whether food or other pleasures, is to subordinate our flesh to our will. Basically, we need to make ourselves do things we do not want to do. And the more that we do this, the less selfish and less self-centered we become. We all need to continue to work on this muscle in order to develop its strength. Parents of young children, take note. Nothing so naturally helps develop this muscle like children.
1: Your children are cute, endearing, compelling little crosses made especially for you. You know, sometimes it's easier to handle a cross we choose ourselves, like I will get up at 4.30 every morning. It's harder to handle crosses we don't choose, like my two-year-old randomly wakes me up at 4.30. It's important for parents to keep in mind that some subordination of the will is naturally baked into family life. Embrace those moments and don't underestimate them as opportunities for fasting put right in front
2: of you. Visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org.
8: Praise
3: be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Eric Sammons is our guest. He is the editor of Crisis Magazine, and uh, we're doing a sort of a a look at several articles that are posted there. And we're going to post links to all of these articles at facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Uh, And Station of the Cross. And on GRN online. But you can find links to all of that on our webpage as well. Okay, so uh, I want to talk really quickly about the Regis Martin article, when salvation is a phone call away, uh, mostly because it references Fulton Sheen. And anytime we can do that, I think we have a moral obligation to do so. So uh, it, it, the, the article starts off, Regis starts off uh, sort of demonstrating how Fulton Sheen would call people of in, – in this case, it was a journalist who was clearly needing some conversion. Uh, and uh, would call, meet personally, and try to win their soul for Christ, and was successful in many uh, instances, especially in the instance referenced in this article. Um, but then he begs the question, well, then why aren't we calling President Joe Biden and, and calling him to conversion? Or how about uh, any uh, politician who's Catholic but seems to contradict Church teaching and, uh, and whatnot? So... R- How do we think, how do we begin to think about this as Catholics? Should we be uh, appalled that this doesn't happen more? Does it happen and we don't know about it? Should we encourage our bishops to do this? Uh, Eric Sammons, what say you?
2: I think we definitely should encourage our bishops to do this. I think one of the problems is, is that we, we see politicians as these entities that aren't really people. They're almost like robots up there that we either oppose or we support. And the problem is that that's not what they are. Joe Biden is a human soul destined to be united with God. That's his, that's what he's supposed to be one day. Nancy Pelosi, the same thing. His soul is very important to God and he wants him to convert. And so the number one role of bishops is to help us get to heaven. And so if Joe Biden is, is under in your flock, either in, in Washington, DC, Or wherever his diocese is in New Jersey or wherever he's from, Delaware. I can't remember. Anyway, the point is now he's in D.C. He's living in D.C. We know that. So the Cardinal Archbishop of D.C. should be concerned first and foremost about his soul, not his policies. Mm. And obviously his policies reflect a problem with his soul. And so he should be calling him up and saying, you really need to think about your eternal salvation and how much you're endangering it. Same thing with uh, Nancy Pelosi or any politician, Republican, Democrat, whatever, That is clearly supporting publicly things that are contrary to the faith. It, it's a scandal
3: uh, that continues, and it has. It's not new. I mean, this has been going on for a very long time. Nancy Pelosi's been in office for how long? I mean, so the scandal goes way back uh, to Catholic politicians that reject outwardly uh, established Catholic teaching based on natural law. Right. Um I guess the question is how much fight or or compromise ought we be making as Catholics here when it comes to uh bishops that won't make that phone call. Um what should we do? What's some good guidance here?
2: I mean obviously we should first and foremost pray and fast for our bishops uh all you know as much as we can. And I think we should really challenge them to put the salvation of souls first. And so number one, the salvation of Joe Biden, his soul. But number two, the jeopardy that Joe Biden's policies and support for Joe Biden puts in the souls of Catholics. And so the scandal, as you mentioned, the the grave scandal is the fact that people will think abortion isn't a big deal. Catholics will think that because the bishops are not making it a big deal. And so, for example, that could trickle down to the fact that some young woman who maybe gets pregnant, she's 19, and she's been conditioned as a Catholic to think abortion isn't that big a deal. And she gets an abortion, she puts her, her soul in, in grave danger, mm. the soul potentially of her of the father of the child, of the abortionist, of everybody involved, and maybe her parents who support it, whatever the case may be. Now we have all of a sudden all these souls are in danger of going to hell because a bishop is either afraid of of saying something or perhaps he even supports i don't know i I don't i can't read the the bishop's soul but the point is is that there's this trickle-down effect where by refusing to confront the joe biden's and nancy pelosi's of the world it has real world implications for real people i mean i know joe biden and nancy pelosi are real people too but it's much more than just their souls it's the souls of of countless people
0: yeah yeah and um I, there's this other article from Crisis that uh, was about the the LGBT bishops that are, um, it's, you know, it's very difficult to see your shepherds, your bishops, who are, in a sense, taking the side of the culture, um, the culture which is becoming anti-Christian. And, for example, we also saw Cardinal Supich recently saying, no, don't attack Joe Biden for not uh, believing his Catholic faith. And um it's very easy as a layperson to sit here and call out the the shepherds but I think in your article you also talk about that as as lay people no we need to get our own houses in order first can you speak a little bit on that our role
2: Yeah I mean there's only so much we can do as lay people as far as how the church is run and how how bishops act I mean th- that's their responsibility not ours thank God uh, but the fact is, is that things do come from the bottom up in the church. I know we always think of it as the top down, the Pope and the Cardinals and the bishops on down. But the fact is that long term, that's that's short term, but long term, it does come from the bottom up, because where are the bishops and the priests and the Pope come from, they come from the lay people, they come from families. And so the first and foremost thing we need to do is get our house in order is, is, are you praying? up to an hour, you know, at least an hour a day. Is your family praying together? Are you raising them in the faith? Are you making sure that your kids are getting a good education, which probably means they def- probably means they don't go to public schools. And it might also mean they don't go to Catholic schools, but they have to homeschool them. I mean, depending <laughs> on where you live and the choices you have, but, and are you going to, you know, re- are, are you, are you praying regularly as your family? Are you fasting together? All these things, if you're not doing it, you probably should just shut up about the bishops, frankly because you, you need to do that first and foremost, because I do think, though, the, the problem, sometimes we go the other extreme, though. We say you do that and you don't say anything about the bishops. No, that's not true. The, the foundation is this life of prayer. And then the Lord will call you to potentially speak out at mm-hmm. times and, 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 and confront your bishops and say you need to do something. In fact, Janet Smith has an article today, at Crisis, where she talks about that. And she ends it by saying, please, she's basically begging the bishops to clean up their houses of, of the the sex abuse crisis and things and of the of that nature, and that's a perfect example where Janet is is calling them the task, but she's doing it from a basis of concern for souls and of of prayer and fasting behind it.
4: Uh, Eric Salmons. So the a question I had was about the article in regards to, uh, that was written by Bishop Athanasius Snyder. In it, he mentioned he talks a little bit about minor orders here. And why is it that minor orders are even being brought up right now? Because it seems as though the vast majority of people don't even know what minor orders are anymore. So what are they and why is why is this a topic that we should be even concerned with
2: right now? That's a great question, because, you know, minor orders seem very minor right now, right? <laughs> um, good one. But, yeah. <laughs> but I, think, I think Bishop Schneider, he recognizes, though, that these little things that happen in the church can have a great impact. And so what he sees, and he says it in his article he sees that the abolition of minor orders, and minor orders, just for people who don't know, is it, it's we know the orders of uh, in the church are uh, the bishop and the priest and the deacon. Well, there used to be before Paul VI in the 1970s abolished them. They were we called minor orders, like lector and acolyte and porter, and I, I can't. I think there's a fourth one I can't remember right now. That basically a seminarian would go through before he became a uh, a, a priest. And so lector, for example, is those who read. We now we have lots of lay people reading because the pope. Paul VI abolished that. But what's happened is, is Pope Francis recently opened up those roles of lector and acolyte to women. And so and because they're not orders anymore, they were open to women was basically his logic. But what Bishop Schneider is saying is, is that this is a rupture from a 2000 year tradition And it represents many things beyond just okay. We don't have minor orders. We just now we have uh, women lectors and acolytes. But what it represents is a confusion of the roles of the of the different of the different of the two sexes, and. I think when people show up at mass, when kids, they grow up in mass and they don't see that distinction between men and women. I do think that makes them later than susceptible to the culture saying men can be women. Women Mm -hmm. can be men. uh, Women can do anything men can do. Men can do anything women can do. And that's a lie that men and women are fundamentally different. They're equal in their value as images of God, but they are fundamentally different. And so something like minor orders is restoring them would be a step towards allowing people, Catholics, as they grow up, to see this distinction between men and women.
3: We have about two minutes left in our conversation with Eric Sammons. Uh, real quick, as you were saying that, and I was thinking— uh, is this a case where it's kind of like executive orders? Every president comes in, signs four billion of them in the first two weeks, and tries to undo everything the previous administration does, but the next uh, administration will just rinse and repeat. Is this kind of that, but for, on the papal level? Will the, if the next pope happens to be more or traditional or orthodox or whatever you want to say, will he just begin to undo everything this uh, if current uh, pope has done? Is it something like
2: that? That is how it's becoming, and I think that's a tragedy. I think that might be what happens, but I think that's awful, because if you look at, for example, in the first millennium, the Church of Rome was seen as the 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 source of stability in the Church, that they did not change. You knew, if you wanted to know what what did the apostles believe, you looked to Rome, because they kept the Apostolic tradition, when a lot of the Eastern bishops were falling away at times, embracing heresies, you knew Rome, you could count on Rome, they would not change. And what we're seeing, unfortunately, out of Rome is a lot of change for the sake of change, when really Rome should not change. It, the, the, any development of tradition should be so slow that an individual doesn't even see it in his lifetime. Maybe when he's a kid and when he's, when he's uh, uh, 85 years old, he's like, oh yeah, that kind of changed a little bit, didn't it? But that's all. That's, it's almost imperceptible. That's, oh. how, that's how tradition should develop. All right,
3: Eric Sammons, editor of Crisis Magazine. God love you. God bless you. Thanks for being on our show today. We'd like to have you back maybe uh, once a month to give us the rundown on Crisis. That would be awesome.
2: That would be great. Thanks for having me. All
3: right. uh, Have a great day, Eric Sammons. That's going to do it for Hour 1 of Catholic Drive Time. We hope you'll uh, join us for the next hour. Uh, We're going to be live on YouTube, Facebook, and on Twitter. You can find all those links at grnonline.com forward slash CDT, where you can also get a free talk by Father Bill Casey called The State of the Union, The Church and Society, What You Should Be Thinking About and Where We're Going. You can get that for free. Watch it right now over at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. It's a great and powerful talk. But we're going to have the game show in the next hour. Prizes are involved, and you could win. Stick around. A lot more Catholic Drive Time still to come. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern.
1: Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed
0: and inspired.
1: Many Protestants believe we are saved by faith alone, and they say Catholics believe they can work their way into
8: heaven. How do you answer that?
6: First, I ask them to show me where in the Catechism, the official teaching of the Catholic Church, does it teach that we can work our way into heaven? They can't because it doesn't. The Catholic Church has never taught a doctrine of salvation by works, that we can work our way into heaven. Second, I asked them to show me where in the Bible does it teach that we are saved by faith alone. They can't because it doesn't. The only place in all of Scripture where the phrase faith alone appears is in James 2.24 where it says that we are not, not justified or saved by faith alone. So one of the main pillars of Protestantism, the doctrine of salvation by faith alone, not only doesn't appear in the Bible, but the Bible actually says the exact opposite, that we are not saved by faith alone. Third, I ask them that if works have nothing to do with our salvation, then how come every passage in the New Testament that talks about judgment says we will be judged by our works, not by faith alone? We see this in Romans 2, Matthew 15, 1 Peter 1, and many other verses. Fourth, I ask him if we are saved by faith alone, why does 1 Corinthians 13, 13 say that love is greater than faith? Shouldn't it be the other way around? Catholics believe that we are saved by God's grace alone. We can do nothing apart from God's grace to receive the free gift of salvation. However, we have to respond to His grace. Protestants believe that too. However, many Protestants believe that the only response necessary is an act of faith— Whereas Catholics believe a response of faith and works is necessary, whereas the Bible puts it in Galatians 5, 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is of any avail, but faith working through love. Faith working through love, just as the church teaches.
1: A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
8: Anne is a real GRN listener, so to help tell her story, we hired Open Line Monday host John Martinoni.
0: I love listening to Catholic Radio on the GRN. Anne is
8: a smart girl.
0: And when I found out the GRN was raffling off a 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250, I was like, where do I sign up?
8: Getting even smarter.
0: So, I went to GRNonline.com and bought five tickets for $100.
8: That's a
5: stale. Celebrity Voice Impersonated. Drawing ends March 1st.
3: Uh, you're going to feel really good if you do, I promise you. And it's better. Like, say you're driving down the road, stick your head out the window and scream it. You'll, just, you'll get more out of it. You'll feel better. It'll be awesome. Yes, of course, they'll think you're weird, but who cares? Praise God. Uh, we're going to have a great hour this hour. Of course, we have the uh, Fear and Trembling Game Show. Three more opportunities to get into the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence for this week's uh, prize pack, which is generously underwritten by Tiny Saints Prize Box. Looking forward to that. So you could be that contestant. You have to be the first caller. So get ready to dial. And uh, if you've tried in the past and weren't able to get on, today is a great day to try again. Of course, the team is here. Good morning to you, Emily Alcarez.
0: Good morning, Joe. How are you doing?
3: Praise God I'm alive. Uh, now, today it's all positive news in the headlines, right?
0: Oh, just like always. Every it, day.
3: It's uh, Positive News Thursday. Is it not?
0: Positive news Thursday. That'd be good. You know, maybe we should have one day a week where I just say good things. <laughs> or,
3: or just read Babylon B or The Onion the, no. whole, the whole time. <laughs> That'll be funny. Uh, that good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. Good morning. Top of the morning. Now, we just gr- finished a great conversation with Eric Sammons. He is the editor of Crisis Magazine. So uh, you'll be editing that later?
4: I will. So we'll have that up on Rumble, on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, cross star stuff. And then Emily usually posts them on Instagram within a couple of days. As soon as I upload them to give them to her, then she puts them on Instagram. So everywhere. Follow us everywhere and you'll be able to see that interview on its own. We are not on Parlor. I can tell you that because... uh, Because
3: it no longer exists. And the CEO got fired the other day. It's been (laughs) new. So there's that. All right. So uh, we have, of course, uh, breaking news and stories, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. Mass will start at 7.30, a broadcast across the Guadalupe Radio Network, and we will stay on for the after show. Uh, Don't forget about that free Father Bill Casey talk. If you want to get access to that, then uh, just pull out your cell phone, text the letters GRN, to the number 42828 just text grn to 428 428- And you will be able to join the Catholic Drive Time email list, allowing uh, us to harass you at least once a week in your email inbox. But we've got some goodies we want to send your way. That's why we're doing it. And you can get access to that Father Bill Casey talk right away. Let's pray. Whatever your intentions are, we are including them with our intentions, of course, we're praying for our country, peace in the world, and the reversion uh, of heart of uh, President Joe Biden, especially on the non-negotiable issues But in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez.
0: An in Indiana County has won their appeal to display a nativity scene. The ACLU of Indiana had sued the county on behalf of county resident Rebecca Woodring. She said the display conveys the county's endorsement of a religious message. In their majority opinion on Tuesday, judges Diane Wood and Amy St. Eve said that the display fits within a long national tradition of using the nativity scene in broader holiday displays to celebrate the origins of Christmas, a public holiday. Judge Dave Hamilton, who dissented from the Seventh Circuit majority opinion, said the courthouse nativity display sent a clear message of government endorsement of Christianity. The religious liberty law firm Beckett, which filed a friend of the court brief on behalf of the county, said that Tuesday's ruling is common sense and that most people don't think Christmas decorations ought to be a federal issue. Jeff Bezos, who founded Amazon and turned the company into an online shopping behemoth is stepping down as its CEO, a role that he's held for nearly 30 years. He'll be replaced in the fall by Andy Jassy, who runs Amazon's cloud computing business. Bezos will then become the company's executive chair. In a blog post to his employees, Bezos said he plans to focus on new products and early initiatives being developed at Amazon, and he said he'll have more time for side projects. His space exploration company, Blue Origin, the newspaper he owns, The Washington Post, and his charities. A Hong Kong Catholic lawyer was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. The 82 year old Martin Lee Chu Ming founded Hong Kong's Democratic Party in 1994. Lee has been demonstrating for universal suffrage in Hong Kong for nearly 40 years. He was founding chairman in 1990 of Hong Kong's first pro democracy party, the United Democrats of Hong Kong, and led the party's successor, the Democratic Party, while serving in the territory's legislature for more than two decades. Hong Kong police arrested Lee along with 14 other pro-democracy protesters back in 2020. And Lee had also been arrested for taking part in protests in 2019 against an extradition bill, now withdrawn, which would have allowed the Chinese government to extradite alleged criminals from Hong Kong to the mainland to stand trial. Catholic News Agency has reported that Cardinal Supic's meeting with Pope Francis was not the result of the USCCB's response to the American presidential election. Sources in Rome have reported to CNA that Pope Francis is seriously considering making a surprise appointment, a bishop from the peripheries, to replace Cardinal Ouellette, one of the several heads of Vatican dicasteries that have reached retirement age. According to the source, the Pope has started to lean more toward Cardinal Blaise Supic of the Archdiocese of Chicago because of his higher profile and the message that his appointment would deliver regarding the type of bishops he wants for the church. The primary responsibility of the congregation for bishops is overseeing the selection and appointment of bishops, and it also deals with the erection and suppression of dioceses, oversight of bishops, and the preparation for in response to bishops ad limina visits to Rome. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
3: Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things, St. John de Brito. Pray for us. St. John was born March 1st, 1647 in Lisbon, in Portugal. Born to a very uh, noble Portuguese family, a favorite of Don Pedro, king of Portugal, and son of uh, the governor of Brazil. He entered the Jesuit order at a very early age, 15. He studied at the University of Coimbra, And was ordained a priest and against the strong uh, wishes of his family not to go. He volunteered for the missions in India in 1673 and was sent to Madura. There he studied uh, the complex Indian caste system and found that most converts belong to the lowest caste. And he realized that in order for the mission there to bring about converts to Christianity to succeed, they needed converts from the higher caste members. So he, he established, Established himself as an Indian ascetic, a Pandora Swami. He lived in and dressed just like them in the saffron cloak and turban. He held retreats in the wooded areas in southern India where interested Indians could come out and visit and speak with him. In time, he was accepted as a Swami and his reputation did grow. Although there were many locals that harassed and tortured him, he did convert as many as 10,000 Indians to the Catholic faith. He was appointed the superior of the mission in 1685. But uh, this new role, his, all of his converts brought him a lot of attention, and the Brahmins, the highest class, did not like the fact that he was converting many to Christianity, so they made the decision to kill him. John and his catechists were imprisoned and tortured in order to leave the country, but St. John de Brito refused to go, and so his execution date was set. At the execution site, he knelt and prayed, and the Raja's order was read aloud, and the executioner hesitated. But St. John de Brito said, My friend, I have prayed to God. On my part, I have done what I should do. Now do your part. And he did. His He was beheaded and dismembered on the 4th of February, 1693. He would be canonized Saint Saint John de Brito on January June twenty second, rather nineteen forty seven, by Pope Pius the Saint John de Brito, pray for us. The Gospel comes to us today from Mark chapter six verses seven through thirteen. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the journey but a walking stick, no food, no sack, no money in their belts. They were, however, to wear sandals, but not a second tunic. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave from there. Whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off of your feet in testimony against them. So they went off and preached repentance. The twelve drove out many demons, and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this particular passage, again, is a continuation of what we've read uh, the last couple of days, with the exception of Candlemas Day, uh, where Jesus is in the Galilee area. And Galilee is an interesting area of Israel because it's a mix in his day of Jews and non-Jews, you know, people who are pagans, these Gentiles. There are many living there. So to send his disciples out is sort of a foreshadowing of what he would say in Matthew 28, go forth and preach Uh, to all four corners, right? To make disciples of all nations. This is Jesus's last uh, words before he ascends to heaven to his disciples. And so here in Mark's gospel, we see a foreshadowing that, a sort of a prototype of that big, great mission of the church to preach to the world, to bring converts like St. John de Brito felt like he was called to do in India. The disciples are called to do here, to preach repentance. Now, notice also, this, uh, this judgment that Jesus commands them to make. You know, whenever we hear, thou shalt not judge. It gets thrown around so many times, so often, it gets used so loosely that we have begun to think that there's never a time to judge. No, there's a time to judge, and there's a time not to judge. What we shouldn't be judging, as St. Paul would say, because he doesn't even judge himself, is about the eternal destiny of somebody. We can't determine that. That's for God. But you can judge people by their actions and by their words. And here Jesus is telling them, go And whoever rejects what you have to say, shake the dust off of your feet in testimony against them. The power of the disciples to judge is very clear here in this passage. And I should remind us that uh, we are called to repentance and conversion, and we need to bring as many others to that conversion with us as possible. St. Gregory the Great would say this, Jesus sends out the disciples in pairs to signify that the twin precepts of charity are indispensable for the duty of Christian preaching. Those entrusted with this mission must always exemplify the love of God and neighbor. St. Gregory the Great, pray for us. Adrian, Emily?
4: Yeah, so uh, one thing that I uh, thought was interesting to point out, or two things that I thought was interesting, was one was reference to the shaking the dust off their feet. Uh, The office says that the reason why that our Lord told him to do this was that when they walked a long way for the purpose of saving the souls, uh, when people did not receive them, they should shake off their dust off their feet because they're showing that we did not accept anything from you, not even the dust from your house. Am I taking with me uh, as a way of convicting them? And then the second thing was the reference to them uh anointing the people with oil. Now, uh Saint Cornelius or, uh Cornelius Alapide makes the point that this is not extreme unction, but a prefigurement of the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. The reason why it's not, it's because they have not been instituted as priests yet, but it's a sign of the coming of extreme unction, just as our Lord being baptized uh by John the Baptist was not baptism
3: of the Christian nature, uh, but a prefigurement of what was to come. All right. Praise be to Jesus. Emily, any thoughts there before we jump on to our uh, game show here in a minute?
0: Yeah, I was just going to add that in religious orders, for example, the Dominicans, they get sent out when they go on home visits or when they go out to preach. They get sent out in pairs. So it's very rare um, for a religious community to send out sisters by themselves or brothers. Um, why? Because... They need to—iron sharpens iron. They need to hold each other accountable and hold each other to higher standards, and especially if they've both been trained. So here, the 12 had been trained by Jesus. They'd been taught by him. And so now they both knew what he expected of them. So it's important to have a good community and someone who can hold you accountable.
3: Amen. Praise God. All right. So that's going to do it. By the way, if uh, if you like sort of the commentary, and we're stealing this commentary from the brightest minds of the church, by the way. We're, we're not original people here. Uh, but we're considering doing that for the gospel readings uh, on, during the Sunday Masses of the Holy Season of Lent, and which is why we're building an email list to inform you of when and where that might be possible. So you can join that email list and uh, give us permission to harass you. And in exchange, I give you a free talk from Father Bill Casey. It's a win-win. Just go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt to sign up and get the details. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And while you're there, buy the raffle tickets. Someone's going to drive away in a brand-new Mercedes in March. Could be you. All the rules and you can purchase tickets are right online at grnonline.com. All right, the game show's coming up next. First caller gets to be the contestant at 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Fear and Trembling is coming up next. Don't go anywhere.
9: We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.org.
5: Protestants like to use James 2.10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Brusard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church, with over 1 billion in our family sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of Fear and Trembling, the Catholic trivia
4: game show that helps you work out your salvation. By the seat of your pants It's a 50-50 chance And prizes are involved Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth Call now to take your shot
3: 877-757-9424 And now your host Joe McClain! Phone lines are wide open right now, so if you've never been a contestant on Fear and Trembling, well, today is a great opportunity for you. If you call right now, and your first caller gets to be the contestant, 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. Looking for that first caller to be our contestant in the game show today at 877 877- 757-9424 is the phone number to call. So let me tell you, we're waiting for the phone call to come in. Uh this is how it works. If you're just joining us and you're like, what is going on here? Well, we have three questions, Catholic trivia questions. And uh, three answers, and the right answers go into the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence to win our prize pack this week. But here's the catch, here's the kicker. We do not ask the caller the questions. Nope, you don't even need to know the answers, caller. In fact, we ask Emily, we ask Adrian. One of them will have a right answer. The other will have a wrong answer. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Do they trust Emily? Do they trust Adrian? Who's right? Who's wrong? And again, every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize pack, Emily. And uh, what are they going to get?
0: This week, our sponsor is TinySaints.com. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And they're giving away a very special prize for us this week's. It's a prize box valued at $75. It's got six of their signature saint keychains. It's also got a plush animal, a kitty, and a board book for children, and also a rosary.
3: All right. Praise be to God. That's going to be a great pack. We'll pull the winner out What's today, Thursday? So we're pulling the winner tomorrow. tomorrow. Oof, the week goes by so fast. All right, let's go to the phones. Now, everybody who just called in to to be a part of the show, thank you. We're so grateful that you tried to call in. We only take the first caller, though, so uh, tomorrow's a new opportunity. Get the phone number on standby and ready. Uh, But, uh, Alicia, good morning to you. Thanks for being a part of Catholic Drive Time. Good morning. Praise be to God. Alicia, where are you from?
9: Uh, I live in Houston.
3: Hey, praise God! I love it. Praise God! Now, what church do you go Thank to?
9: Saint Lawrence in Sugar
3: Land. Oh, yay! The the mega church down yeah. in this in the southeast. The mega church. <laughs> in fact, yeah. uh, I think my friend Deacon Harold Burke Sivers was just preaching there a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah,
9: he was here last week or two weeks ago.
3: How wonderful. Well, praise God. Yeah. Now, Alicia, are you familiar with the game? Do you understand how the rules yes. work? I
9: know. I'm afraid I will I
3: will lose. Oh, are you? Everybody no. wins, Alicia. Everybody's Everybody a wins. Winner. <laughs> <laughs> All
9: right. All right.
3: Well, we'll try not to go too hard on you then, Alicia. But are Please. you re- are you ready to play? I am. All right. Let's pray. Uh, play uh, fear and trembling here. Emily, we start with you as is our custom. Are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Absolutely. Here we go. Emily, can you tell me what is the sacrament through which the Holy Ghost comes to us in a special way to enable us to profess our faith as strong and perfect Christians and soldiers of Christ? We're looking for a sacrament here.
0: Well, um, we get grace through all of the sacraments, but this one is referring to confirmation.
3: Mm -hmm. Okay, you sound very confident. It could be. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me what is the sacrament through which the Holy Ghost comes to us in a special way to enable us to profess our faith as strong and perfect Christians and soldiers of Christ? Huh, as soldiers
4: of Christ. Let me think. I guess I'm going to go with Extreme Unction.
3: Extreme Unction. So Adrian is on the hook for Extreme Unction. Emily is on the hook for Confirmation. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Alicia, what say you? Emily's
0: (laughs) right. Emily's right. Oh, she knows her stuff.
3: Yeah. All right. The survey says there's no fooling you, Alicia. Congratulations. Thank you. You've made it into the... The coffee cup (laughs) of divine problems. What were you worried about, Alicia? You're very
0: intelligent.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, So, congratulations. You're in the cup for one chance. You still get two more opportunities, though. And I want to say, I want to say, they get a little easier from here. At least that's that's the plan.
9: Okay. Let's just
3: see how that works. All right, Adrian. We're going to start with you this time. Adrian, can you tell me the sin of detraction? Is a sin against which of the commandments?
4: Okay, so detraction is to reveal the sins of another uh, or to say something evil about another person, something false about another person. Rather, I'm going to go with the Eighth Commandment.
3: The Eighth Commandment. Okay, Uh, let's see. Emily, can you tell me the sin of detraction is a sin against which commandment?
0: Um which one is the eighth commandment? Is that lying?
3: Uh you, the eighth commandment is you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor.
0: Oh, okay. Uh well if he says eighth, I'm gonna say seventh because you're stealing someone's good reputation.
3: Ooh. Okay, so Adrian is on the hook for the eighth commandment, the sin of detraction, revealing your someone else's sins, as you shall not bear false witness. That's the eighth commandment, and Emily is on the hook for the seventh, you shall not steal. Who's right? Who's wrong? Alicia, you what shall say you? You not
9: steal. Oh my God, that I don't
3: know. I think, um, the, not Emily, the other guy. <laughs> the other guy. Sure the so uh, congratulations on the other, guy. The other guy. Yeah, the guy.
9: <laughs>
3: That's so good, Alicia. Congratulations. You were not fooled at all by Emily. She tried, though. Uh, she tried to, tried to fool you. She tried, and she, she was unsuccessful. Close. <laughs> Praise God! Smart thinking, a sharp ear there. Two uh, for two, Alicia. Very, wow. very proud of you here. You're doing very well. Third, third opportunity. You must be feeling good, Alicia. You've done very well so far. Are you ready for the third chance?
9: Thank you. Yes, yeah, ready.
3: Okay, here we go. Uh, we're going to go back to Emily this time. Emily, what is the term for the devotion consisting of three Hail Marys said at morning, noon, and night? in honor of Mary, Our Lady.
0: Oh, you know, I haven't done this one consistently since I was in the convent, but this is the Angelus. It's very hard to keep up in the uh, real world.
3: All right, let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me what is the term for the devotion consisting of three Hail Marys said at morning, noon, and night in honor of Our Lady. Well, I mean, there are three mysteries of the Holy Rosary, right? Plus
4: the Luminist. So I'm going to say, you're supposed to say that three rosaries a day, right? That's what St. Louis de Mumford said. So
3: uh, I'm going to go with the rosary. You're going to go with the rosary. All right. Uh, who's right? Who's wrong? Let's see. Adrian is on the hook for the rosary. Emily is on the hook for the Angelus. Alicia, what say you? Of course, the Angelus with emily <laughs> survey says
9: <laughs> there wow. Go. wow there was no fool what were you afraid question. of alicia what was that? i have a question for you oh okay oh,
3: oh no i, I get, let me get who, my google ready who go was ahead the
9: first dead who was the first bed in the bible
3: the first death in the bible oh that was abel are you sure Oh! No, I'm not. No, no I'm not. <laughs> well, an animal was killed. No, yeah, an animal was killed in order to clothe Adam and Eve. But then the first human to die was Abel. That was that's my final answer. Is he Alicia, right, Alicia? Am I, I right?
9: Did, I didn't ask the first human. I asked the first death. <laughs> oh, oh, tricky. She got oh, you. Man. She got tricky.
0: you. <laughs>
3: Well, that uh, so it was the animal then in uh, in Genesis chapter 3 to to cover the, uh, right. the donkey, nakedness. The
9: they don't know about that. Uh, no, they cover with three leaves. No, They must be itching.
3: God but actually the brought them animal skins in, uh, in the oh, latter really? part of Genesis chapter 3. Oh. He killed an animal and brought them animal skins to cover their nakedness. But you're tricky, oh. Alicia. You were afraid I of know. what? You you got all three questions right. You, you're bringing the heat here, Alicia. She turned yeah. the
0: tables on us. Oh,
3: <laughs> wow. We got to get her to be on the show. Because yeah. she's tricky. She's... You have time for another question? Uh, we're I'm not sure we do, Alicia, because we have to wrap right. up because the mass starts here Thank in just you. a moment. But we're going to put great. you on table have you on. We're going to put you on hold All so right. that you can uh, we can get Thank your phone number in case you're the winner, but God love you. God bless you, Alicia. Thanks for being our contestant Thank today.
9: Thank you very much.
3: Well, that was a lot of fun. Praise God. Yeah, at least you did great. so so well. All right. That's going to do it for the radio side of Catholic Drive Time today. Uh, we're very grateful you were part of our program. I want to encourage you to check us out online at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can find the links, the audio podcast of our program. Plus, you can sign up to our email list. Where you can get that free Father Bill Casey talk. we really would love to have you on the list so that we can send you updates about some things plans that we 're considering for the holy season of Lent. We want you to be a part of that that would be awesome, but while you 're there, make sure you check out the mercedes raffle that we 're somewhere in to we 're going to give somebody a Mercedes in the first week of March. Could be you, and it would be awesome and uh, all proceeds go to benefit the Guadalupe Radio network, helping our radio apostolate to stay on the air right where you are. That would be so awesome. Just check us out at grnonline.com. I want to thank Eric Sammons for being our guest and also want to thank Dave Palmer for being on in the What's Concerning Us section today. We'll be posting the video clips of all of that today on our YouTube and our Rumble channels. Check those out, plus on Facebook. Again, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. The mass will start here in a moment, but we will stay on live video on YouTube and on Facebook and on Twitter for the After Show to conversate about all the conversation and points brought up in the show today. We want you to be a part of that. Tell us where you're from. Comment with questions and and comments or whatever you like, and we'll mention those in the After Show coming up here in just a moment. So check us out, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. Just search for the GRN online on those platforms, and you'll find us. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern.
1: Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye
5: now, and God love you.
3: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a little bit more uh, sort of uh, casual about uh, the topics we've discussed on the program today, and we love for you to be a part of the conversation. So if you're hanging out with us on Facebook, on YouTube, or on Twitter— uh, good morning to you. I see Monica and Estella hanging out over on the YouTube side. There's others there. If you're on YouTube, tell us where you're from, uh, maybe what church you go to. If you have any questions or comments about anything that we said in the show today, uh, we'd love to read those. Uh, you can post in the comment box there. Uh, on uh, On the Facebook side, on GRN Online Facebook side, I see Chris uh, hanging out with us over there. Uh, earlier I saw Patty, of course, is our, our regular top fan. Patty and Lori was hanging out with us. Hey, Jesus, I see you. I see uh, uh, Joaquin is over there this morning. Good morning to you. Sammy, praise God, Sammy. It's good to have you on. Uh, we're so glad that you like Derek Samen. So I know we do. Uh, he's a great guest. We're, we're looking forward to having him on probably once a month, I would say. Um, wonderful guest over there. So if you're... Bruce, uh, thanks for hanging out with us this morning. Bruce, it was good to see you yesterday in the studio, by the way. And, of course, Lori, it's always good to see you. Praise be to God. Anybody hanging out on... uh, On YouTube, we have Monica and my grandma, Estella Watts,
4: is on. And Valentin Campos is on from San Antonio at St. Matthew's. Praise be to God.
3: I was going to say Twitter. Uh, anybody hanging out on Twitter? I have I gotta, no
4: idea. I, gotta, I
0: don't believe so. I'm I checking the, Twitter right now. The
3: Twitter's up. I I I, I always close those those windows out. It's like we have no audience over there anymore. You see, uh, did you already mention Jesus is
4: here? Yes. Yes, we did. Oh, okay. Yeah, he posted a uh, a picture of him trembling from
3: fear and trembling. Fear and, and trembling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Alicia was great. And yes she was like um i don't know Pfft, are you kidding she brought the heat she was awesome oh
0: yeah she was fun
3: she was a lot of fun what a great guy! and then to ask us a question too that was hilarious yeah i love that that was great tricky question too praise god mm-hmm. um all right so anything that came up in the show today anything you uh that stood out to either one of oh, you guys So
4: one thing i wanted to bring up was the um conversation about minor orders i think a lot mm-hmm. of people are unfamiliar with minor orders uh, so I think that's a important topic to uh, bring up, um, especially the, the considering why they're important, uh, especially since we, like you said, a minor order seems kind of minor right now. And so the um, one thing that I think is important to note about minor orders is that whenever they were instituted, and they are still they still exist today, so they've not been completely abolished. And the reason why we know that is because communities like the fraternity, the FSSP, the Institute of Christ the King, they, uh, and many other traditional orders still have uh, these minor orders. Mm. Um, and now we see them, uh, one of the two of the minor orders that we were talking about today were lector and, um, and acolyte. So those are the two minor orders that we were discussing. And the reason why we were discussing them is because Traditionally, those uh, were steps on the way of becoming a priest. Yeah, uh, And so as, once you became a lector, you were allowed to then uh, read the, the epistle at Mass. Uh, we have now gone so far that uh, nowhere in Vatican II, so if you go back and read the Sacrosanctum Concilium, it does not allow this. This just started happening over time. Bishops started allowing it to happen where they would allow... Lay people. Um, and then because they still had uh, what's called an instituted acolyte uh, in the uh, whenever politics suppressed the minor orders, he left uh, instituted acolytes. So they could still they were still a thing, um, but they sort of allowing just regular lay people to just do the readings and distribute communion and the like. Um, and then women started doing it, of course. Um, and now we we look at what Pope Francis just did, and everybody's like, "Well, I mean, what's the big deal? They've, they've women have been doing that. Um, why is it controversial to allow, to make them instituted acolytes? They're already doing all the things that instituted acolytes do. Um, and the problem is." Like Eric Salmon said, this is a breach with 2,000 years of history, and the reason why it's not shocking to us is because we've been adapted to this slowly, Mm -hmm. step by step. They've been uh, slowly uh, doing what's called gradualism, Mm -hmm. taking just a little inch at a time until you can take a big step, and I think it's very important to focus on.
3: I want to thank uh, Angelo on the YouTube side for hanging out with us. As blessings to you for all from San Antonio, God love you. Uh, praise God. Thanks to you. Thank you to you, Angelo, for hanging out with us on the YouTube side. Do me a favor. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, um, let me tell you, we're we're being throttled on YouTube. It's uh, we have way, way, way more subscribers than we get views and watches, uh, watch time over there, and so that means that our subscribers really don't even see our content in there. In their feeds at all. Uh, so e- if you really want to help, one of the best things you can do would be to hit that like button. Uh, the like button does uh, sort of drive the uh, the algorithm a little bit and helps us to overcome that. So likes are really important to us if you can smash the like button. And then, of course, the share button is also equally awesome. But commenting on the video, which is part of the reason why we say, hey, let us know where you're from. We want to give you a shout out and we want to thank you for being a part of our audience today. Uh, but commenting, liking, and sharing are, are very powerful opportunities to help push the algorithm in our favor, because uh, the idea is not to, to become famous. No, none of us wants to do that. No, it's we want to we be able to impact people's lives, and we want to in- increase the opportunity to reach more people for the glory of God and for the salvation of souls. To so talk about stories from a Catholic perspective that maybe they're not hearing in too many other places. Uh, so we would encourage you and ask you to be a part of our team by hitting that like button, hitting the share button, uh, you know, and uh, and subscribe of course, but the like and the share and the commenting are very important from an algorithm standpoint. Uh same thing on on Facebook side by the way. And Valerie
4: is joining us on GRN uh the Facebook page on GRN. Oh, so, God bless you. Good morning to
3: you, Valerie. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We're very grateful you're here. Uh, yeah, again on the Facebook side, share. Hit that share button, you know, that r- is really helpful to us to spread the word. And of course, if you have other platforms you're a part of, share us there as well. We're posting to a ton of different platforms right now. Um, I've linked to, uh, I think, most of them or all of them over on Catholic Drive or rather grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Now, uh, you guys can let me know if I've missed some. Uh, the only thing I haven't put up there I probably is my own personal gab. I, 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 I'm gabbing over there apparently. At gab.com, you can find me personally on gab. But uh, our Rumble account, our Facebook accounts, Instagram's over there, Twitter's over there, our YouTube accounts. And for people who join us uh, online after the show, here's a, like a sneak
4: preview, because we're getting a lot of, uh, of guests in the future and we can't always bring up these things on air, but, you know, I, we want to award, reward all of you guys for joining us online after the show is over, and uh, to let you know that we are actually having the Hillbilly Thomist on our show tomorrow, so uh, if you if you've never heard of the Hillbilly Thomas, you have to look them up. They're really cool. They're a bunch of Dominican friars who play uh, bluegrass music, and uh, they're going to be on our show tomorrow to discuss uh, their their album um, and and what's what's up with Dominicans playing bluegrass music. It's kind of interesting. It's captivating. Yeah, absolutely. It,
3: it's uh, it's very captivating. Uh, so we're excited to uh, to have them on the program. We we hope to and intend to play. A few clips of some of their music. But you can go right now to YouTube and put in Hillbilly Thomist. And you can listen to at least one of their albums, right? Absolutely. Uh, they have two
4: albums now. So that's why we're mm-hmm. bringing them on. It's because they just released their second album. Uh, can I play about 10 seconds of a uh, Yeah, go for them? it. Let's
3: see. Just think Dominicans and Habits.
4: Yeah, if you could see it, there have pictures of Dominican habits on there, so it's it's pretty cool.
3: That's some toe tapping music right there.
4: So that's uh, that's Jericho Blues uh, <laughs> oh, so from fun. the uh, from the Dominican. Yeah, friars. So their
0: new album is called Living for the Other Side. The previous one was just called The Hillbilly Tomists, and oh my goodness, this will put you in a great mood. If you're ever sad, just play the Hillbilly Tomists. They're so fun.
3: <laughs> Praise God for that. So that's going to be tomorrow's conversation. We're looking forward to that. Plus, my friend Mark Hauk from the Kingsman is going to return to the program in the what's concerning us section you know there's a lot of uh there's the, the this was a report that came out was it week 2 almost 2 weeks maybe of the image of our lady of chestahoa with a rainbow halo ar- behind her oh yeah that's a kind of an older story now but mm-hmm. I, it's one of many that we see constantly uh, of uh, of of people blaspheming the our lord and being you know just insane here so we're going to have that conversation with Mark Halk from the King's men uh great men's apostolate by the way you can find them online the i think it's dot org so um, that, that'll be tomorrow mayra who
4: uh is constantly on our show on uh, youtube so thank you very much for always being with us on youtube uh she said good morning sorry i missed the first part of the show i will have to rewind have a blessed day. Absolutely. Good absolutely. Morning, you can Myra. always find our shows and rewind and watch it over and over again if you would please. Um but yes, thank you very much for being on with us.
0: And John on YouTube says Hillbilly Dominicans cool.
3: <laughs> oh, what about Mocha 562? He says go on Rumble too. I got great news. We are on Rumble. Uh you can find us Catholic Drive Time on Rumble. We're posting the videos there uh, every day now, I think. Yes, sir. All right. So uh, again, I've I've linked up all of those accounts at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can find our direct link to the Rumble page. But Rumble is growing steadily and slowly. Anyway, uh, the audience is over there. Praise God. We're getting new subscribers over there all the time. The question only becomes is how big is the audience, I think, and uh, how quickly will Rumble improve their user interface and their algorithms? We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But we're, we're posting there every day. Praise God. Um, I would love to know from anybody at, on any of these platforms, uh, besides the big names on social, like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, I suppose TikTok is a thing uh, for people under oh, We're on TikTok. Under 49. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> we're, we're not, we're not on TikTok, are we?
0: I would say under 25. <laughs> under
3: 25. So besides those, uh, where else do you post? I've been posting to Gab. I've been also sharing on Gloria TV. I've been sharing on LinkedIn. I've also been sharing on SP3RN, which is a Catholic social site. Uh, where else? I'd love to know. Comment. Uh, where Where do you hang out? That's not obvious. I'd like to know what that is. Praise God. Um. And do you, the other question is the the, the conversation with Eric Sammons. He, he, he's so good. I mean, he's clear, good, right? sharp. Um. Articulate. I don't know. Just it was. We got to have him on once a month minimum. I, would I say. think
0: that would be great, and I love Crisis Magazine so much. Really, their their articles are so charitable, but also very straightforward and just truthful. Um, so I love Crisis Magazine, and they've been talking a lot about the uh, recent issues going on.
3: One of the when we first started talking to him about his own article, you know, which is adapting to our brave new world, and mm-hmm. it's about when to compromise and when to fight, and we were talking about that, and. I was really thinking about, in my own experience as a Catholic father, husband, homeschooling dad, a guy who's moving more traditional every day, I really wish there was an RCIA program for the tradition of the church, because there's so much to learn, and I feel like I'm behind the ball all the time. But anyway, I feel like a lot of Catholic families really haven't thought too hard about what they're willing to fight for, and what they're willing to suffer for, for the faith. You know, uh, our our Saint of the Day, Saint uh, John de Brito, you know, he was given a choice. He could save it. He could have saved his own life. All he had to do was go home. Just go home. Hang out with your family. You know, drink lattes. Enjoy life. Uh, just go home. And he said, nope. My mission's here. Salvation of souls is here. And they chopped his head off and dismembered his body for it. And he knew that was going to happen. And he heroically faced that. Have we thought about that? And I wonder, because I've said this now a bunch of times when I travel and speak, I've had this uh, had this conversation with many Catholics, I really feel like even among—I don't want to say well—even among Catholic families, practicing Catholic families—I um, think our goals can sometimes be way too shallow. Like, what do we really want for our kids? Well, we want them to grow up. They want them to go to college. They got to go to college because they can't be anything if they don't go to college, right? So they got to go to college. They got to go to good school. Then they got to get a great job. They got to get a nice house. They got to get a, a nice car. Mm-hmm. you know good clothes, they have to have great clothes, nice furniture, fancy friends, and they have to live a good life like but those are all good things, and i I say them tongue and cheek and snarky, but i I'm not trying to diminish them they're good things, you know if we have to go to college, we got to go to college, if we have to have great jobs, we gotta have great jobs, but is that our goal? Is that our ultimate goal? I thought heaven was supposed to be our ultimate goal, <clears throat> and I wonder. I wonder how many families have actually uh, thought about that and prayed about that. Like, what do we want for our kids? We want them to get to heaven. If, if on the journey they need to go to college, well then they need to go to college. But the goal is not a great job. The goal is heaven. And I I just, you know, I really feel like sometimes our, our our goals are really pretty shallow. And it reminded me listening to Eric Sammons today of a conversation I had with father Sam Medley, uh, Back in 2008, when he was telling me about because he was a missionary, still is in many ways, and he speaks a ton of languages he's been all over the planet and he's faced difficult times himself uh, as a missionary, and he told me, you know uh his superior had had asked him this, sort of the same question, what is your goal what are, you, what are you willing to to fight and suffer for? What is your ultimate destiny where do you where, what are your goals?" And they had to make the decision to become martyrs. And he said in the, deci- in the process of deciding to become a martyr, it wasn't that he wanted to die or have his head chopped off like St. John Brito, but rather that he would be at peace should that ever be God's will for his life. That he wouldn't be, have anxiety because he had already made the decision and he would have great peace. And I feel uh, like many Catholic families... We'll have anxieties that will grow and fester in these coming days, because uh, as we have to decide to stand up for truth, because truth is a person, uh, against things like gender ideologies, against abortion, against the attack on marriage, against the, uh, the Catholic faith in general, um, we're going to be persecuted for that, and we're going to suffer some. Uh, and are we w- prepared for that? I don't know. I don't know. I'd love to know what the audience thinks.
0: Yeah. And this is absolutely something I had ingrained in me growing up. Like this was totally natural to me. My parents, they switched jobs, switched schools, switched churches, whatever they had to do to find a faithful, orthodox and supportive community that was going to stand up for our Catholic beliefs. They did that. And so this was always very natural to me. But my parents, oh man, they got hell for it. And people thought they were crazy. People are going to think you're crazy too for being Catholic. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Jesus told us She's told us that we would be persecuted for our beliefs, but that's okay. That's, yeah. that's a form of martyrdom, as you're saying.
3: Let's uh, let's read some comments here. Leticia over on Facebook.com forward slash GRN online says, Good morning. I love your topics discussed. They are so important. Our Galveston Houston Archdiocese has three men to be ordained transitional deacons in May. Praise be we to God. We love to see it. Yeah, amen. We are definitely praying for their uh, for their vocations, for sure. And uh, Adrian, I think we got some great comments over on on uh, YouTube as well. Absolutely. So uh,
4: John uh, John Delac on YouTube says, "God bless you for what you do. This is my first time on the After Show. Totally." I love the director you had on yesterday discussing film in today's climate and his Eucharistic Miracles project. Absolutely. Uh, we're gonna definitely have to have him back on because I did not realize how, <laughs> how good of a guest he was gonna be. I was, we were just planning yeah. on talking about, you know, a little bit about Hollywood and then the Eucharistic Miracle project. But we ended up discussing Padre Pio. Yeah. He's friends with uh, Father Chad Ripperger, the Exorcist. He uh, he does he does all of these things. He's friends with um, David DeLayden for with uh, pro life issues. Like this guy is awesome. So yeah, we're he gonna, was just, Super gonna definitely oh, have him back on. And also on YouTube, uh, Mocha Five. 5- uh, 562 says, Miwi is good. Uh, are we on MeWe? I, I don't know, Emily. Are yes, we on Miwi? Yes, we, we kind are. Of, uh, <laughs> are we
3: posting anything on Wee? On no, Me-wee? we're
0: not. Okay.
6: Well, that's got <laughs> Okay, change. Angelo,
0: Angelo Bustamante on YouTube says, love your show, brothers and sister. On my way to work this morning, and I always pray the rosary on the way. So I'll be leaving your show, but I'll see you tomorrow. God bless you. We love the rosary. Amen. Way to go. Yes. Much thank better at
3: praying the rosary than listening
4: to yes,
0: us. Yes, thank in- you for praying the rosary.
3: Include us in your, uh, in your prayers and intentions, Angelo. We'd be very grateful to you. Uh praise be to God. So uh thank you for that. Uh okay, I'm on uh yeah, I'm not seeing much going on on the Catholic Drive Time side of If anyone's Facebook.
4: listening on the Station of the Cross Facebook page, comment down below. I we usually uh, have about one or two people that comment. But I'd like to know who's listening from the Station of the Cross. Uh, yeah, amen. we'd love to see it.
3: Yeah, praise God. One of the other things that we're trying to do, we have only a few minutes left. We have only a, a few minutes left in our program today on Catholic Drive Time. And again, tomorrow, Hillbilly Thomas will be our main guest, and uh, Mark Hawk from the King's Men will be on as well. Look forward to that. But one of the things we always try to do is we look for opportunities to have conversations with people and, uh, and subjects that you might not be hearing in too many other places. Um, so next week, Dr. Regis Martin will be on, but he, you probably have heard him a ton of times. He's still a fantastic guest. We're going to have a great conversation Trying to get him on Trent Horn again. Somebody you've heard probably a ton, especially through Catholic Answers. Still going to be a great guest, but Celine, uh, you probably never heard of a uh, a lady by the name of Celine. I th- I, how do you say her last name? Today, today, today. i don't
0: know know her (laughs) yeah she is
3: from the national catholic register somebody probably never even heard of uh she's a great journalist solid reputation for her reporting and her and faith and we're going to be talking about an article she posted on national catholic register about how christian persecution is probably going to be on the rise uh in in a bigger and and faster way than it has been in the past and how the family is the answer you know uh the, the family the man woman and the children is part of the answer to that problem. Mm -hmm. So Celine will be our guest, and I'm excited because I've never talked to her. you you probably never even heard of her, and we're getting to introduce you. And then, of course, uh, we're also trying to book Father Sebastian Walsh.
0: Uh, I'm contacting him, so he's going to be on the show uh, next week or a couple weeks, and we also have Regis Martin, who we talked about his article on Crisis today. Yeah,
3: so it's a mix, but we're trying to do some very interesting things, and we're glad that you're part of the Catholic Drive Time family. Uh, So God love you for that. We're going to be heading out here in just a moment. But uh, all right, so uh, that's, I think, mostly going to do it for today. Pray for the University of Dallas to stand up to the pressures. And that's the trick. Catholic institutions and organizations, we can't cave to the mob and the mob mentality. Just because the mob says, well, the majority of us think this and that's what it ought to be. No, we have to base it on, on truth. And truth is a person. That person is Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John chapter 14. We believe that, and we have to stand on that ground, even if it means, as Eric Salmon pointed out, there's going to be suffering. We have better make that decision now instead of wait for that moment to be upon us and we have all the anxiety. Let us commit ourselves to be soldiers for Christ as the sacrament of confirmation tells us we have the power now through the Holy Ghost in that sacrament, the grace we receive in that sacrament, to be soldiers for Christ. Amen? All right, that's going to do it for Catholic Drive Time today. On behalf of uh, Emily, Adrian, and myself, we're very grateful that you're a part of the team, and we look forward to being with you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here on Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. God love you. We'll see you then.
1: Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time